they're, they're in their late teens and there's not children, but they are not adults yet. They haven't been released into the adult world. And they are desperate to know that they are worthy. And they'll grab your attention by all, all means available to them. But some of them are difficult to handle. Some of them are more confrontational. And we don't want that because it's, it's difficult to, to reach out to everybody when a few of them are being confrontational or argumentative or, or whatever. So knowing that they, they need to be seen and heard and loved, that's the first step. Welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Stefano, and this is When Leaders Talk, a podcast about leadership and, most importantly, about leaders. This episode will bring you a really different perspective on leadership. That is the one from the teacher angle. Teachers, is they are actually leaders in a, in a classroom. And I've been talking a lot about this with Martin Richards. He was a teacher, he's also a coach, and now he helps teachers to be coaches in classrooms. And we really went into a lot of uh, tools and skills that teachers can use to have their students listen more and be more active but also we talk about the students and the perspective and how they need to be listened to and express themselves understand who they are it's a fun conversation also because martin is a great storyteller so i really invite you to tune in and listen to this episode because there are, there are a lot of takeaways um and uh, I also want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast to make it even bigger than it is. Have other people, have other great people like Martin coming and uh, sharing their views. Also, you can follow me on social media like uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Well, without further ado, I leave the floor to Martin Richards. Well, Martin, um, I'm really curious on which is your perspective on leadership. And therefore, let me start with my question, the initial question, that is, what is your definition of leadership? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it begins within rather than without. Hmm. I would have answered differently had you asked me some decades ago, I, I thought leadership was something that happened to me, that other people would lead me. Hmm. And, well, 10 years ago, I'm going back even further. Um, I think it goes to when I started learning how to coach, that I was then connected to the, the leader within, to use a, a well-known phrase. <laughs> yeah. And that... That helped me a great deal to understand leadership isn't something that I've, I'm a victim of, but I am my own leader. And often in a situation where I get to be the leader of other people, 
perhaps not in a formal way, but just by just by doing it, people uh, see it and uh, see it for what it is, and either like it or don't. So yeah, uh, I think it's to do with connecting with something that's within all of us. And so that has a purpose hmm. and connecting to that to that purpose. And then in the outside world, the you know, the physical world, manifesting that desire, whatever it might be. So you are basically implying that everyone is a leader, right? Yeah. Going well beyond, you know, the the fact that you have someone to manage and, and lead, and you have some responsibility, and that's uh, that's basically a concept that I really like because it, it comes, as you said, and it starts from within, and you need to be the leader of yourself. That's not really an easy feat. <laughs> no, indeed not. Oh. I think the there's like a, a projected sense of the leader or the leadership, the team is something outside and something to follow, and and they have my, from my perspective something to resist uh, often or to question. And once the idea of leadership from within was presented to me, then it became much easier to be a leader. To want to be a leader because it was no longer something that was externally imposed right i, I like this i like this this uh this perspective and actually I, I know you have a very special background you know you come from uh, the school environment you coach teachers basically and uh um i really want to want to approach this conversation with you trying to go deep into the role of a teacher and how they can uh, be uh, more effective in, in their in their job in, the, in their uh, allowing the kids or whoever they are teaching to to learn more um, yeah. so what what is your your <laughs> what is it you would say to a teacher what, what would you suggest to a teacher to be better? In, the, in their job and what they do. So when I get to speak to teachers, there's usually a reason for it. Uh, I'm not randomly grabbing, you know, any old teacher, any old where. Um, so there is like a, a little bit of a relationship, a connection between us. And it's either because they've seen me demonstrate coaching or they've seen me hold a, a talk or a lecture with teenagers in particular because that's my age group and they're curious about what, what I did that was different because when I'm in charge of their students something different happens than when they are in charge obviously I'm trying to do something different than what they are doing so you know the outcome becomes different um, but for example the quiet students speak up and the usually dominating the, the louder students calm down. So it's like a flip the whole, well, balance the, the energy in the room. Uh, and that's something that teachers struggle with all the time. No matter what they're teaching, what, whatever subject they're teaching, they 
are in charge of the energy in the room. That's a very vague thing to say because I'm a scientist as well. So I feel the word energy going, oh, what do you mean? Are we talking about joules and coulombs or what? <laughs> uh, what I'm talking about is the energy, quote unquote, because I don't know what the heck it is other than calling it by uh, a name that suggests uh, liveliness. Right. And there may be too much over there coming out through that student or that one, or too little coming over there and over there. And if you are trying to teach, it's easier when everyone's on the same wavelength. If everyone's pl playing in oh, the, the, the orchestra, the, the virtual orchestra, if everyone's playing their own song, it gets a bit loud and noisy. But when you get people to group together and play as an orchestra, they appreciate it as much as the teachers do. Right. So I look for the flow of energy. And if I see that a teacher's either killing off the energy because they can't handle it, they're killing it off, they're losing out. Hmm. Or if they are using uh, perhaps um, too much of their own energy to control things, uh, they get going to get very tired. They do get tired. Often the conversations I have with teachers is, it's like really, a really tough job. And it is, it's an enormously difficult job because uh, you can never be right. Is one of those impossible puzzles. You you don't have enough energy in yourself, and by that I mean a metaphorical battery. <laughs> you know that we we've got a certain amount of energy we can give to our work. You don't have enough in you to hold everybody else in place. You have to engage their inner leaders. Now I'm saying like Picard. I'm trying to switch on the students' inner leaders, and basically that's. What I do in my, in my talks, in my connection with students, is, is to find that switch. And I ask them what they want to do with their lives, not tell them what they're going to do with their lives, but I ask them. And just because I'm asking, something different happens within that, that person. Mm -hmm. So with the teachers, I often ask about how they handle work-life balance or, or whatever the language that they've come to me with. Uh, stress is another word that they use. Um, they might talk about distractions in the classroom. That's a good clue. <laughs> uh, they might talk about students who um, uh, they're upsetting the teacher and it's because what's normal for the students, not normal for the teacher. So they've got culture clash. And how do you deal with that? For example, that you've got a group of uh, 18 boys and four girls and a female teacher. And most of the boys come from an outside of this country. I'm in Sweden. So we've got a lot of uh, female teachers at college level and the boys don't like it. Um, they expect it to be men because in their minds, that's who leaders are, which is another, another topic. How do you lead boys when you're not a, not a man? Do you have to adopt a male stance? Is there another way of doing it? And getting into that kind of conversation about how do you like solve your daily problem of, of energy um, and then looking at options. I don't come with any, any answers, even though I've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, you, you know, as the introduction um, 
to me just now that every conversation is unique. If you go into that conversation thinking you know the answer, you're going to end up with your face pressed against the, the wall. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> so I don't have a, an answer to come with, but often the, the solutions are around managing energy in or, within themselves and how they communicate with their students and how they engage their energy in a, in a positive way. Yeah, it's how I, I, I really appreciate what you said about it's not just um, managing the energy, but also the have them being part of the conversation, right? Yeah. Asking questions. So they are more active user, if you want, of the knowledge. Or in a classroom, they are active participant in, in the whole teaching. Yeah. And of course, that's, that's, a, that's a great tool to have people really engage. And synchronize with you right because that's that's what you want to achieve at the end of the day you want the people to be there to listen and to have the other the the, the students listen to you you have to listen to them <laughs> yeah you have to start yeah yeah you, you have to start right shut you, know, up and listen. <laughs> you need to lead by example you want to yeah. if you want them to listen you are the first one you should listen for real you know we we often talk about importance of active uh, active listening real listening you know what we call level two level three listening you know when you really pay attention not just first of all you pay attention and don't let your mind slip away and second you look at the environment how the, the person is talking and the movement and the movement and the voice and everything else that comes as a communication and meta communication it's it's the all of it and it's a word and it's not and not everyone is able to do it. You know, you need to, it's a skill that you need to acquire this thing. I think everyone can listen actively. And when they find out the benefits, they, they will want to do it even, even more. Hmm. Um, if a teacher has learned to control using force, now I'm using the word force in a non-scientific way. I mean, by demanding attention by uh, punishing anything that's not regarded as good behavior. If they're doing that, um, it's sometimes difficult to get through to them that they don't have to do it, that there is another way. But when they see it, active listening, I mean, they recognize it for the, the wonderful transformative agent that they want to do it. Um, what they don't understand very often <clears throat> is how do you dare to do it? Right. Because if you, if they are out, if they are scared that there's going to be a disturbance, they're going to be even more on the people who stick out. So there is that kind of negative spiral going on. Uh, attacking that doesn't help. Telling them the teachers that it's you know not a good thing to do doesn't help. We, they need to see it in action. Just switch this off. Uh, and then they want to, I mean, very quickly, they, they want to do it. One of the benefits, and I, we could talk about the benefits for the students, but the one that um, hits home is the benefit for the teacher. What if your job was a, a whole lot easier if you, if you didn't have to expend quite as much energy to, to get their attention? For example, 
and it, I, I do tend to tell stories, so um, go I'll ahead. Tell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you this one. <clears throat> so the the class I was invited to speak to, uh, I didn't know, but the the teacher had been fighting with them for quite some time, and with good reason. Uh, the students had been taken out of one school and put into this school because their own school had gone bankrupt. That's something that can actually happen here in Sweden. And now these students were mixed in with other students on a sort of day-to-day -day basis, and, and they didn't like each other. It's us and them going on. And the teacher was also um, kind of bought into the idea that these, these students weren't very good. They were not well-behaved. They were academically not very good. And I can see all the reasons why that teacher felt that she had to engage them with vigor, let's us say. Well, she was not getting very far with them when I was brought in to offer an alternative perspective. Yeah. I'd worked at the, the college before, so I worked at the school before. So they knew me and they said, Martin, would you like to come and give a talk? And that's code for could you calm them down a bit for us because, you know, they're climbing the walls. You're the specialist. Uh, yeah, I'm the specialist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that I come along and I'm chatting with the teacher. And I'm thinking, ooh, this poor lady is so wound up. You know, her, her eye, the whites of her eyes were getting more and more visible as we got closer and closer to this room. And then she tackled one of the students and took him outside because he was really, you know, he needed some time with, in a conversation with his teacher, really needed that. But she forgot that she left me in a room with 20-something kids who didn't know why, who I was or why I was there. So I put my, I had a briefcase at that time, put my briefcase on the table and I stood in front of them in a kind of, I'm waiting, wait. and they carried on talking. Well, it's fine with that because, you know, in a battle of wills, the one who expends the least energy is going to win. So I waited. <laughs> and at some point, one of the students said, leaned over her shoulder and shouted to, at me, saying, you have to shout to make us quiet. Oh, no, I don't, I said. Oh, I'll, I'll wait until you're ready. But they carried on talking, but they were tracking me. I can tell because I moved around. They were tracking me all the time to see where I was, what I was doing. Was I getting angry? Was I about to shout at them like everybody else did or what? And now the one who'd said to me, oh, you have to shout, said, aren't you going to tell us anything? I go, absolutely. I have a whole hour of, of material here when you're ready. And then it was like messages within the group. Oh, sure, sure, he's gonna say something. Shh, shh. And it was really, really quiet. And I said something like, you see, you have the power to get yourself ready to learn, even from someone you don't know. I said, I'm sorry, your, your, your teacher hasn't presented me, so, what would you like to know? And they sort of they quizzed me on who I was and why I was there and what I was doing. And then they went from like backs turned to leaning forward and, and lapping up every uh, stories to tell all the time, you see. Um, but I proved to them quite quickly that they are in control and they can choose the outcome of their learning, their, their lessons. It can either be chaos or cafe conversations, or it could be whatever I had in my bag. So yeah, there's leadership for you. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I've got their internal. No, no, that's that. Think that's a fantastic story, and it, 
um, what is clear to me, you know, what, what, what you were talking about, like, it's like a team, you're creating a team, right? You, it's like working with a team where the teacher is the leader, but everyone else, they want to have something. They want, they want to, not just learning, they want, they want to talk, they want to express their concern, their doubts. And that's why it's important to, as you have uh, explained very well, and to ask questions and to have people answering. Everyone, everyone wants their voice to be heard. Yes. They want to be heard. They want to know that they exist. Yes. And they are of value. Right. Even though they're only, I said, well, they were 19, 17 years old, some of them did different schools. They're, they're in their late teens and they're not children, but they are not adults yet. They haven't been released into the adult world. And they are desperate to know that they are worthy. And they'll grab your attention by all, all means available to them. But some of them are difficult to handle. Some of them are more confrontational and we don't want that because it's, it's difficult to, to reach out to everybody when a few of them are being confrontational or argumentative or, or whatever so knowing that they they need to be seen and heard and loved that's the first step the second is that they need to know that they are they are their own leader some of them are very willing to step up and lead others but are really bad at leading themselves. <laughs> so, I mean, you can get a situation where a person is leading other people so that they don't have to lead themselves. They are making everybody else chaotic because of their own inner chaos. And when you connect their behavior with the chaos in the room and ask them, how how that feels to be you know so much in charge of everybody else you know one word from you and you everyone's laughing or everyone's you know hollering how does that feel to have so much power and they were is it, how do you apply it to your own life that taking control of yourself and they go what <laughs> new thought new thought entering head danger danger <laughs> and, and often no one's challenged them to use the strengths that they've got in a constructive way, they said, stop using them in a destructive way. You know, let's explore that fourth quarter. Let's explore the, what I don't know, which is how you live your life, and what you don't know, which is how you live your life. How are you going to do it? You're, you're new to this adult world. How do you want to turn up in the world? Is this it? Is fighting it? Is that how you want to be in the world? No, that's too direct. But anyway, <laughs> the, the undertow well, of one's thinking is, is this what you want? You're getting what you're, you have a, a tremendous control over moving the people in this room. How about, about focusing on yourself? Well, it's understanding that behind every behavior, there is, there is a reason. And allowing mm -hmm. them, also allowing them to understand what is the reason for them to behave that way. Yeah. You know, what's... Yeah, there is this technique of asking yourself five times why, you know, until you finally reach the core business, the, the real, the real root of the, your behavior or your approach or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's really uh, a, the first step into self-awareness. And self-awareness is what you need to lead yourself. Yeah. So everything 
it is a circle and i and i and i find your words inspiring um also because you know of course one thing is talking to adults and then, then you can discuss over self on about self-awareness for hours but i guess if you try to approach this this topic with a kid they will look at they, they will look at you like oh, what are you talking about i know who i am actually no um let's let's stay with teenagers for a moment yeah they are longing for someone huh? i am a teenager well there you go <laughs> they are longing for someone to take them seriously as, as a young adult as an adult to be and they don't normally have that conversation with their classmates or the people of the same age and they certainly don't have it with their parents because if they did they would be more self-reflective they would have more self-control so noticing that they don't have what we might call an inner leader we can ask them a few questions and who five times is pretty powerful actually <laughs> i don't know if i could go down five levels uh, at the drop of a hat but the fact that you trust yourself to ask them a question to which you have no answer and for which they have not yet found an answer tells them I believe in you. I see you. I, I want to hear you. Rather than saying I want to hear you, you actually demonstrate it by hearing them and take them deeper than perhaps they normally go in an ordinary conversation. And notice when it gets horribly uncomfortable for them. And just hold them there for a second. Breathe in that moment so that it becomes more comfortable. And from that, you can turn the classroom bully into a classroom leader. You can turn the, the introverted, panic-ridden into someone who's willing to express their fears. I, I don't know the Swedish system, and uh, but what it, what it sounds to me is kind of revolutionizing the... the, the the teaching, um, it's a different approach. I am used to even good teachers, you know, but they come to school to do their job. So they, they, they for one hour, they teach and um, really few in few occasions in my in my recent <laughs> young life. Um, when I was at school, I remember teachers really get interested in who we were. There yeah. was one in particular, actually, where it was my teacher of Italian in literature. And, uh, you know, through having us writing essays and everything, you know, that, that, but that's, that's that the, she understood there was a good way also for us to express ourselves. So the essay was not much about the topic was more like what we thought about the topic and what was behind our thoughts. And, that, and this was actually a good way for me to understand something more about myself. Yeah. And there were, she was never judgmental on what we were writing. You know, she was of, of course checking the grammar <laughs> and everything else, but not about the content itself because she knew that those were our thoughts. But she was one of the few Others, 
yeah even in the other university or even in the academy they for them was just entering the classroom and do their job and you know shoulders to the classroom and writing on the on the blackboard and and, and whatever what it was writing actually there, was, oh, there yeah. was, i remember one he was a, a professor of physics um and i was in the academy at the time he really arrived turned turned uh his back to us and started writing on the blackboard and it was so boring <laughs> that most of us you know while he was talking to the blackboard basically he would you know go down and sleep on the chairs i'm not kidding <laughs> so it's uh there's no interaction. There is no. There is no effectiveness because at the end of the day, you know, teach. I mean, I, I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read the book. It's gonna be probably more interactive than, than, than looking at you and your shoulders <laughs> writing on the board. On the board. You, well, you that's been on that's a, a couple of couple of uh, factors there. Yeah. If if the teacher has their back. To the students for more than half of the lesson is probably because the teacher is scared hmm. that's okay they're scared of the students so they hold on to the subject and what they're scared of is getting taken off topic so a teacher who says okay today it's a science lesson or today it's an english lesson what do you want to know what would be useful to you puts mm. them into a place of teaching something that they might know nothing about. And that's not nice when you're, when you're there to, to teach something. You're, you have a script, you, ha you have a, a list of things to teach them today. And often if a teacher's focusing on the subject and has their back metaphorically or physically to the students, there's a fear going on that it won't turn out right if they turn to the students and ask what they want. Now, if you've got 100 or 200 students, you can imagine that it'd be very difficult to manage what do you want today. But if you are the kind of person who's really interested in the students, primarily, and can answer anything about any subtopic of your, of your subject you're teaching, you feel confident about teaching that. Your final way of polling the audience, and you can do it technically with a you know an app in your phone, for example. You can send messages. There are ways, and you get three or four or five topics from the audience, and you go, okay, so this is what would interest you today. Let me talk about them. One, the students are really interested because the topics of interest to them. They just asked, and they put you as a teacher into a place of vulnerability. You didn't have a plan for this lesson. The topic is now this. It's in the subject, but it's now this. Let's see what you can do. Now you should, if you know your subject, you should be able to talk about any part of language. You shouldn't go anywhere. But what tends to happen is, and what, what creates this back to turning their back to the class, is the teacher has prepared a lesson which they are going to regurgitate. And I've, so many times I hear this, oh, I read a book yesterday in preparation for a lecture I'm going to give tomorrow. Okay, so what if the students actually find something else interesting? Look, they don't have any choice. They're gonna have, they're gonna have my bleh, lesson, whether they want it or not. 
So that that's the origin of, of that turning their back to the students. And if you get a teacher who comes in and, and asks, what do you want to learn today? You know you've got a really good teacher because he or she is willing to go wherever you want to go. I'm a master of this subject. What do you want to know? And that is really encouraging for a student to know that their teacher is willing to go anywhere with them and willing to say, that's a bloody good question. Everyone laughed. I'm going to have to look that up, aren't I? <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, stop laughing. Thank you. Shown full vulnerability, full authenticity. I don't know this bit. It's been a while. <laughs> Let me look it up and come back to you next week. And then when you come back to that lesson, you say, here's what you asked me to deliver. Are you willing to, to listen? Are you ready for it? And maybe they'll say, ah, we've got over it. <laughs> We're just testing you. Who knows? But that dialogue then creates trust, creates a learning platform. You can then teach them whatever it is you want to teach them. Isn't this approach similar to the, the Montessori uh, teaching method? Isn't Montessori wonderful? That not only did she come up with this stuff a hundred and something years ago, but she put it into action. I, I am in awe of that woman. Oh, yeah. Oh. I would have understood her because she, you know. But despite she was Italian, I must say. That's what I was Yeah, I found this fascinating. I think that, that if I could hear a teacher now, the objection would be oh, but, you know, you have a program to follow. You know, in a year, you have to teach all these topics. And if you let them choose, you were never going to finish. Well, where does that come from? Where does the list of topics come from? Well, I, I, can, I can speak for the Italian because I know it's, it's the state, actually, uh, it's the government who decides that. Outside the teacher and outside the student. Right. We're talking about is some kind of internal uh, curriculum. What would be useful for you to know? And they'll tell you what they what they want, but they also have areas they don't know about. So you can balance. You want to know X. I know that you need to know this as well. Can we balance this? Can we mm -hmm. find a way of me teaching you what you asked for, but also something you didn't don't know that you need, you don't know yet that you need. And you know, obviously you can't force people to learn something they don't want to learn, but they won't ask for something if they don't know it exists. That's uh, that's interesting. That's, if you go that's... back to my school days, nobody taught me how to use uh, a computer. We didn't have them. <laughs> if, if you go back to my school days, I was taught to use logarithms and a slide rule because the teacher told me this is what scientists used. <laughs> I got out of date really fast. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, you know. Teachers don't know what you're going to need. They have an opinion. And the government has absolutely no idea what you're going to need. Again, they have an opinion. We need engineers and we, don't, we need all of these kinds of skills. Yes, they can think of that. We also need citizens who are willing to explore the unknown because the thing we can be sure about is the future is unknown. A little bit we can plan, maybe five or 10 or 15, maybe 20 years depending on what it is they're talking about we can plan ahead a little bit but we can't plan ahead to infinity 
So there has to be a balance of learning what the grown-ups think you need to know, because, you know, don't laugh too loud, because we're getting out of date almost within a lifetime these days. And, and to say that, I, I think you need to learn cursive handwriting, I you know, proper handwriting. Right. You need to use to be able to use calligraphy. And the kids wonder, but I only need to do that. Yeah, you only need to do that. And, and you can wonder why you only need to do that. What does handwriting give you? And they have no idea because they've never done it. You give them an hour to practice handwriting and what they discover isn't handwriting, it's hand control, whether that's then typing or um, playing right. keyboard or, or whatever, fine motor control. But also it does stuff to their brain. Good stuff, I'm a bad stuff. It does stuff to their brain. You get a little bit of zen. You got a little bit of um, practicing the higher arts. You can't force them to do handwriting all the time because you're going to need it for a job application. No, that doesn't work. But it's to do with having a, a hobby or a reflective practice or a meditative you know, mindset, that kind of thing. It's got nothing to do with being able to put letters on paper. That's why it's good. If I was if I was to speak to Swedish students and say, "No, you need to learn handwriting," I teach them Japanese because most of them won't know Japanese. I mean, what use is this? They say, well, "Are you willing to find out? Are you willing to spend an hour with me to discover what it means to you to be able to reproduce those characters perfectly?" And you're going to have to do it 20, 30, 40 feet until it's perfect. It might take an hour to get those three characters, and it says, "I am great," or something like that it's something in, inspiring uh, just to sit with them and then to talk about it afterwards how did it feel to write this how did it feel when you couldn't when you fucked up how did that feel and how did you get past it and how does it feel now that you can what do you want to do with that feeling is that a feeling you want to have in your life of the sense of completion for example and you can do this with, with young children it doesn't have to be i keep talking about teenagers but it can be even in, in primary school. Well, I, that's uh, that's a good point. But let me ask you, you know, trying to um, go back to the, the, the leadership role of teachers, you know, um, what is the what are the attributes that a teacher should develop to be a good teacher in, in your, of course, in your um, vision of, mm. of teaching i think it's the balance between i mean if we're employed as a teacher there's a contract uh, and mm. the contract is to teach the syllabus to, to these and, and whatever children come to you so you need to balance that external imposed syllabus with what's going on in the classroom right so it's a lot about social emotional training perhaps um but really to center themselves where they are on that not mm. to be a victim of either the external like oh i have to teach this it's on the on the whatever or i i'm, I'm only doing this i'm only doing listening to the students because you end up in trouble if you only do one or the other you need to find a balance and as that teacher finds the balance it's finding the balance between the inner world and the outer world 
you were a role model for your students, even quite young age, that this is what grown-ups do. There isn't an answer. There isn't a single answer that's the same for everybody. It's a balancing act. Mm. And, and when the wind blows in a particular direction, you need to know and know that exactly and, and adjust and adapt and, and be flexible. Um, because who knows what's going to happen, you know, in your lifetime is but talking to 15 year olds. Um, I mean, they see pension as something that's that's hundreds and hundreds of years away. It doesn't usually enter their vocabulary, but it is a question that they can answer if they have the right tools. And I think that's the sort of thing the teacher needs to be doing, giving them tools that are generally applicable in any part of life. Like making choices is the one I uh, talk about the most, I think. If I can help teachers to help their students to make choices, the ones that they can be look back on and go, yeah, I did the best I could at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still learning. Or, oh, that was right. Wow. Um, I was just thinking of a, a lesson that I observed that it was with uh, ooh, 10 year olds, 11 year olds. They were very noisy and they were making um, little houses out of paper. They had paper and they were cutting it and gluing it. And there was paper everywhere. There was glue everywhere. And there were haircuts going on. And you know, it was chaos. And I'm thinking, oh, this will be good. The end of the lesson is coming up. Let's see what this teacher does. And I must admit, I had an expectation in my mind that, you know, <laughs> that thunder and lightning was about to come come down on the kids. And she sat them in a semicircle and she asked them one by one, how satisfied are you with the, the well, she did say it different ways. How satisfied are you with what you've done in the lesson, uh, what you produced in the lesson, how you've been in the lesson? So she went around, so everyone got to their mind a different question, but it was all, take a look inside, how, how, how are you doing? And, and they all went, I was really shocked because I thought they would fight back, but they didn't. They went, oh yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> so sitting there with a fist full of glue, um, yeah, I got out of hand. Well, what got out of hand? What happened? And she was curious, non-judgmental. So she needed to, to lean into that horrid chaos wind. You could see she planned something else. She had something else on her mind when she had started this lesson. None of the houses got built out of 20 something kids. Nothing happened, it was just chaos. But they learned they can make new choices. All of them, because she asked, you know, what are you going to do and do about it? What will be different? What will you do differently when you come back after lunch? She wasn't wagging a finger at all. She was asking to wag the finger at themselves. Find something that you would like to change about what you did. Okay. And when she finished, she said, okay, well, then line up outside. Don't go anywhere. Line up outside and we'll go to lunch. So I had a few seconds with it. I went, I'm blown away. That was like leadership, but that was coaching on, in, on top level. Oh, she said, just good teaching. <laughs> I said, Where, how did you actually feel? She said, I spent so much time preparing that lesson. I, said, I didn't notice. She said, no, you weren't supposed to, and neither were they. My problem. I'm furious. It's my issue. I can still guide them to 
find a better self and give them another choice. Now, while this teacher doesn't need me hanging around, except maybe to stroke a little bit and say, you, wow. <laughs> For championing purposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was there just to observe, but I could walk away with and, and say nothing. And I'll tell you what you were talking uh, what you were talking and you have an amazing way to to, to, to tell stories myself <laughs> you are very entertaining um i i was really thinking oh this is this is coaching <laughs> this is basically this teacher is coaching is not you know when you say she was curious and not judgmental and this kind of thing i said well that's that's what a coach does right getting curious about the person about what they what the the, the client has to say I love that, but let's let's shift a little bit on on the actually from the teacher to the students. Um, you because you have the opportunity to observe those students, right? So you observe these teenagers today, and what is the common traits that you have noticed in these kids that probably is different from uh, previous generations? I don't know if it's different. Um, I, I think there is a bigger question mark hanging over the survival of the planet or the survival of the human race. It's a bit like there's a war going on and why on earth should I learn how to differentiate or how why should I bother about prepositions and pronunciation? What's, what's the importance of all this crap you keep throwing at me when the world is falling apart? Why is no one talking about it? Um, mm. I don't think I worried about that so much as a child. And I don't imagine that was a question when I was teaching. I did work with children who came from homes that were crumbling in various ways. There were poor housing, uh, poor relationships between the, the parents or the siblings. Um, yeah, there were, there were difficulties in the community, let's say, and they brought that into the school. That's all going on, but there's also much more attention on what are we collectively doing about survival when we hear about famine and, and drought and floods and we, we see that the, the big people don't know what they're doing and they expect us to follow them. <laughs> there's also, and this is quite, quite different, and I don't think I was aware of this as a, uh, as a child at all. I see young people stepping up and saying, if the adults aren't going to do what needs to be done, get out of my way. And we see that in Greta Thunberg, you know, standing up and saying, I'm not going to go to school because it's, you know, why would I? I want to be homeschooled. I want to learn what I want to learn, not what you want to teach me. You have no validity <laughs> as an adult when you are busy blowing up things and, and letting things rot and yeah let's let's not follow the adults anymore but there is a sense of inner leadership coming out in young people that if we're not going to do it they are and i find if i'm if i'm willing to listen they are often more adults i i.e more willing to step into the unknown than many of the adults that are in charge of them. You've got adults who are scared in charge of kids who are looking for leadership role models. Well, the, the, what I understand then, that there is more awareness of where we are 
as humanity right now. And I'm, I'm, the, the, the example you, you made of Greta Thunberg is perfect because probably she's the one who, for, you know, you know, some people they support her, other they don't, but that she stepped up, right? She was the one with other kids of her age uh, say, well, you are ruining this planet. <laughs> we yeah. have to get to this planet a bit longer than you do. Yes. Because, <laughs> um, we are the next generation. And tell, let me tell you that what you, you're doing is no good. Um, so I was, what I was saying is there is more awareness, probably also because now information are yeah. easily accessible. I mean, they grab their phone and they scroll whatever they want to scroll. Even on TikTok, there are so many videos that actually can almost be defined as educational <laughs> in a way. Not everything is just dancing and, and singing. Uh, <laughs> no, indeed not. I mean, the, the, the tools are there and we play them, we use them as toys, or we can mm. use them to leverage what we know and find out what we don't know. Absolutely. And the, the go-to place is very often here in their hands. They don't go to a book like I might have done. I would have gone to uh, an encyclopedia, you know, written by somebody else and on pages that don't change, updated every five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or newspapers if you want something more like, fresher. But, you know, it's, it was boring. I mean, I remember my father used to read newspaper. For me, it was... Yeah. Boring. <laughs> this big piece of paper in black and white. It was like, yeah, okay, it's 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 but yeah, now now it's entertaining. It's now it's learning and having fun at the same time. Yeah. It, it, not everything. I know that there is a lot of crap on social media. And, yeah, you and have to filter it. Yeah. yeah, you have to filter. And the, the problem is that it's it's hard at, the, at a certain age to really understand what is probably uh, fun and then pure fun and something that is less less fun and misinformation and so on and so forth. But yeah, so th there is this awareness, right? This is, there is this this will to really take care of um, of the planet also because yeah. <laughs> there is no other planet right now. So that's that's what we got. That's well, we... I think that's why Mars is the, a distraction. I mean, if we think we're going to go to Mars, we can trash this place because we're going to go to No. <laughs> Let's stay here and make a good thing here. Um... Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I mean, I've been a sailor for a long time and exploring and, you know, explorations has been really the, 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 the fuel of many many people who had, you know, discover a lot of things in the planet. And I understand that this is the same fuel that is pushing someone like Elon Musk or whoever, you know, to, yeah. to go and, and, and try to explore what well, Mars is, is a kind of uh, a training camp <laughs> for something, something that will come that I'm sure I will not be able to see. Right? I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna be years and years from now. But I, I totally understand this. Nonetheless, we have to live here. At the moment, we, yeah, exactly. We're going to make sense of this space as well. And I think that's you know, the problem with um, young people is they, they don't see how they're going to uh, live, how they're going to make a living. They don't know what job they're going to get. 
and is it one job? Do I have to train for one job, and or, or what? I mean, how do I how do I do this grown up thing of earning enough money to live in a in a decent place? Do you think Do you think it's like they got uh, they they can become more mature too quickly? No, I think it's the opposite. I think we delay their maturity. Hmm. We we keep telling them that they're not ready. You know, you're 14, you don't know. You're 15, you don't know. You're 20, you don't know. You're 25, you still don't know. And that that may or not, may not be true. But going back a generation or so, people were working at 15. Well, okay. Um, I and I see that we have reached almost the 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 hour of the conversation. It was an amazing conversation, but I really want to uh, take time for the last question, Martin, because um, I, I'm not sure that it's a kind of wrap up of what we say. But what what is the suggestion you will give, not just to teachers, but to anyone actually who wants to be a good leader today? Um. Yeah. I think this applies to parents and, and, and teachers. I, I gave, um, I said I would give teachers the, the biggest, most powerful gift. And I had little bits of paper, little business cards, and I'd written on, on the back a word that I want them to, to have in mind when they get into a situation where they're just about to maybe get into an argument with their, their child or their partner or a colleague or a student. And it says, pause, just pause. I give you 15 seconds of pause. And to have that instead of oh, spitting it out or saying whatever it is that's in their, in their heads, pause. And then the other one, the other, the other side was. You know, I, I want to show you something, I'm sorry, because this is something that is <laughs> in my computer. <laughs> then it's a, yeah. Okay, so it's listening to this. It's it's a small post-it with a pause. That's it, you know. And then I use it because, like many people, um, I'm very action-oriented. You know, it's 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 a lot about doing, 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 doing. Yeah. Why we need to reflect and meditate and really That's understand. The one. Yeah. And and pause before yeah. saying or doing. So, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to show you that. But the, I know it's interesting how it connects. And on the other side of the card was, listen before you think of the next question. And it's more of a coaching trick, but right. you, you need, I'm, I'm gonna listen to you just enough so I get a question. And when you shut up, I'm gonna chuck a question at you. No, <laughs> because then I'm usually, angry upset or whatever and i throw the question at you from there and you moved on no listen pause now i start to formulate the question based on what you've said and it's with curiosity non-judgment which was the other the other hand um and the, the, what teachers were saying i don't have time to pause isn't that awful they believe they don't have time to pause because they got so much to do they're teaching so hard they make it impossible but the ones who take a moment and you can imagine how this would be at the end of a lesson where you just okay it's five minutes to go 
let's all pause and reflect on the on the question what just happened <laughs> or what did i learn depending on you know if there's something that happened what did i learn today and when they've done that who's willing to share and you'd be amazed how much they've learned they've learned tons of things you never taught them especially the young ones they they they, they didn't make up stuff but they've learned stuff they think they've learned something because that's the, the essence of the learning they've got from the lesson. You never decided to put that in. So, uh, yeah, pause is, is really powerful. And of course it means I can, just, I can just check out for a few minutes, it's okay. I don't have to do anything, I can just pause. I could think of something, sure, but I don't have to action it. And I, I like this. Um... There are, there are a lot of things I've learned today in this, in this conversation. And one is really uh, the importance for teachers to connect and uh, to allow the students to express themselves, understand what they do, why they do it. Um, it's not an easy, easy, easy thing. I'm sure that you know that, that, that is, there is some training that is needed. Probably that's that's the issue. You know that there is many teachers they they have all the professional and knowledge and um, that, that they need, but at the end of the day, dealing with people, dealing with kids in in a, in a very special age. You know because you're growing and you're forming your 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 persona. You know your your behavior and whatever. So it's everything is in being um it's not easy but that's that's what is needed and i really want to thank you martin for sharing your view on this special aspect of leadership and your experience and your storytelling that it's amazing and i was so into the stories you were telling that it was it's, it's great so thank you very much yeah, I have to blame my grandfather. He was a storyteller. He was um, a merchant seaman. And there would be many hours on board when there wasn't so very much to do. And he developed the, the art of telling stories that lead to stories that lead to story. He would read books. Um, he would take a stack of books on board with him and he would read them. And then next time he would look at the back, who referenced this book? Who who the, who the did the author of this book read? I want to read the, those books too. So he was full of information, which reminds me, and then he would go on. <laughs> so <laughs> um, he could talk for hours and his daughter my mum learned i think that that habit of creating stories well, i've only recently started writing I, I didn't write much apart from school until 10 years ago and i'm building my own library you know what who, whose book would i want to have in my library if not my own you have a lot to tell to again marlene thank you for having me for having been a great guest Thank you. I enjoyed it.